Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. We started last Sunday morning this series. It's really about renewing your mind, but the title that I want to uh, phrase to you about the way in context of what God gave it to me, thinking like God thinks. If you renew your mind, that's, that's the goal. Renewing your mind means to simply think the way God thinks. That's all it means. If I renew my mind properly, then what I have done is I have changed my thinking to think the way God thinks. And the Bible tells us very clearly, as you think within your heart, your inner soulish man, so will you be. Thoughts in life are literally what begin to bring about in your life what is going to happen in your future. Well, I thought my words did. Yeah, where do you think your words come from? They start with thoughts. So thoughts are kind of the key to what we deal with in life if we want to walk in what God has for us and walk in the God kind of life. Romans chapter 12, very familiar verses, but I want you to dig in with them, dig in with me again with these verses and listen carefully to the phrase of what's being said here in these two verses relating to me and you. First uh, verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, that's an urging, an urgency. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies, the compassion and benefits of God that you present, you present. Your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is what? Tell me. Presenting my body as a living sacrifice to God is reasonable service. Say, I must deal with my body. God will not deal with your body. God will help empower, empower you through your spirit to do so, but he won't do it for you. If God could do it for you, he would have never told you to present your body as a living sacrifice. Your body's your responsibility. Dealing with your body's your responsibility. So the context of the body is referring to what we know, obviously, of a fallen nature of flesh that our soul wants to oftentimes unify with and walk in the light of. Now, the other side of that, which is powerful, is to understand stuff that I do based on my body or my soul, not my spirit, wasn't really me. We'll say it again. Stuff I do based on my body or my soulish nature that didn't come from my spirit man wasn't really me. I'm not a body. I'm not a soul. I'm a spirit. When I honor what the spirit of God inside my spirit tells me to do and I honor my spirit man, then my soul is subject to what my spirit says and my body is nothing more but a slave and it does exactly what I want it to do. But you, so again, the understood context, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you, circle the word you, you present your bodies. Who's the you? The spirit man. You, the spirit man, has to present your body unto God. So you, as a spirit being, <coughs> cannot let your body rule you, because if you do, you're certainly not going to walk out what is acceptable to God. Meaning what? What's acceptable to God? Let me help you. Living like he lives. What's not acceptable to God? Not living like he lives. It's not because it's just quote unquote sinful acts. 
Let me help you. It breaks God's heart to watch you walk in far less than what Jesus paid for. Realize what the blood of Jesus purchased for us. Whole new way of living. Whole new way of seeing things. Whole new way of doing things. Totally. To walk fully in the life and the very way of God. Well, I don't think that's possible. Read on. Verse 2. Do not be conformed. Do not be what? Conformed to this world. But be what? Transformed. Transformation. Transformation. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Underline that phrase, renewing of your mind. And realize that as a believer, if you want to think like God thinks. Anybody want to think like God thinks? If you want to think like God thinks, that's an everyday aspect of what you live out. Every day. You're renewing your mind every day to think like God. And that doesn't mean you got to spend hours in the Bible to do that. But understand, the renewing of the mind does not end this side of heaven. But by the renewing of your mind, you will prove, say prove. You will become, in essence, living proof. Think about that. Of what is good and acceptable and perfect uh, in the will of God. Think about that. I will become living proof of what is good and acceptable and perfect in the eyes of God. Well, let me help you. Let me just answer that for you. What does that mean? You're living like God lives. Amen. Do, you think, do you think God's happy about any of his children dying from sickness and disease? I'm sorry for all that ever have. But do you think that pleases him? You think about just the natural as a natural parent. Does it please a natural parent to watch their kids afflicted with disease or sickness? I'll guarantee you what, you love your kids, it breaks your heart. Well, how much more the Heavenly Father? See, that's not living like God lives. And God wants you to understand that walking out the perfect will of God isn't just, quote, unquote, not sinning. Walking out the kind of life God has, living like He lives, means that those things do not control my life. Those things do not overtake my life. Doesn't mean they don't attack me, doesn't mean they don't come at me, but I know what to do when they come. Because if I'm living like God, there's not anything I will face that I can't overcome. There's not anything that I will ever face that I can't walk in victory over. Why? Because I'm now looking through God's eyes. You ever thought about, you know, um, I remember this. I've shared this story many times. I know it's kind of a little boring story, but it'll kind of make my point. When I was pretty young, I know you probably couldn't believe this, but when I was pretty young, I was really skinny. (laughs) Really skinny. When, I, when Kathy and I got married, I wore 27-size Wranglers. My waist, 27-size, 27-inch Wranglers. And I mean, I tried. I tried every way in the world to gain weight. I couldn't gain weight. I, I jokingly say it, but it's almost true. I mean, seriously, if I would have been in Texas, which I didn't live in Texas back then. I lived in Montana and then Arizona. We didn't get a lot of the you know, heavy-duty storms like the high winds they get here. Not, not that much of but I will promise you, in a really heavy storm, you know, 30-plus mile-an-hour winds, I'd have probably had to grab onto something to not be blown over. That's how skinny I was. And we moved to Arizona. We haven't been there, you know, a couple months, and we start school. And lo and behold, you know, who do the bullies of the schools always look for? The, the little skinny guy. Why? Because the honest truth is, most of you know this, most of, they really they act tough and they kind of look like they are, but they're really not. And therefore, they got to kind of do something to kind of prove to themselves that they feel like they are. Most of these people, you got to understand, they have no true concept of any real positive image of themselves. So they got to do something to try to make themselves feel better about themselves. So here I am walking to school, you know, first week, and sure enough, man, guess who I run into the first week of going to school? The bully, hanging out on the sidewalk on the way to school. 
And he starts pushing me around, giving me a hard time. I mean, he starts threatening me not to come by that way to go to school. I had to walk a long ways to not go that way to school. And so after this happened for a couple of days, my brother, two years older, a uh, little bitter, bigger than I was, obviously, higher grade, you know, even than this kid. All of a sudden, I'm telling my brother one night, and my brother said, because he went to a different uh, building than I did, and kind of went a different way. He said, tomorrow, I'm walking with you to school. I said, all right. So we walked together, you know, going to school that next day, and here comes Mr. Bully, but guess who's standing next to me? My brother is. And as I walk up that time, guess what? I'm not scared. I have a whole different view of the bully today. I have a whole different view of the bully. I'm almost like, come on, buddy. I want you to take me on today. You listening? If you would ever start seeing things through God's eyes, you'd be walking through this life. Yeah, come on. I want you to try to take me on today, devil. Go ahead. Just give it a shot. Give me your best shot because you're about to lose. And that's not bragging. That's not talking in a way that obviously is not biblical. But the fact is, Jesus didn't walk through this life fearful of anything. Jesus saw everything the way the Father saw it, and so can you. But you can't do that if you don't change your thinking. So you're not to be conformed to the way the world lives. So if I'm conformed to the way the world lives, why am I conformed to the way the world lives? Why, why, why would I be conformed to the way the world is? Why would I be that way? Okay, wrong thinking. More, more specific? Do what? You definitely don't know who you are in Christ, but what would be more... If I'm living conformed to the world, what am I doing? Simplify it. What, what am I doing? I'm thinking like the world thinks, not like God thinks. So if I'm conformed to the world, what am I doing? I'm thinking just like the way the world thinks. If I'm conformed to the way God lives, what am I doing? I'm thinking the way God does. It's that simple. So I'm conformed to the world when I do what? Think like the world. If I think like the world, I'm going to be conformed to the way of the world. But I cannot have, excuse me, I don't have to live that way. I can be what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of my mind. Say this, my mind is renewed when I think like God. See, until you start thinking like God, it's not renewed. It's not renewed. When you start thinking like God, your mind is becoming renewed. Your mind is not renewed if you're not thinking like God. A lot of people say, oh, my mind's been renewed, and yet you listen to them, and what they're saying is coming out of thoughts in their head that ain't nothing like the way God thinks. So your mind is not renewed until you start thinking like God. Your mind is not renewed in the area of money until you start thinking like God thinks about money. Your mind is not renewed in the area of health and healing until your mind starts thinking the way God thinks about, about health and healing. So your mind's not renewed in these different areas of life. Right? Your mind's not renewed in the context of marriage until you start thinking about marriage the way God thinks about marriage. As long as you think about it another, any other way than with the, the way God thinks about it. That's why I tell people all the time, you've heard me say it many times, you come to me for marriage counseling, I'm a broken record. Because I'm just going to tell you what God says of how to make marriage work. And until you start thinking the way He does and start doing it the way He does, you ain't going to have a marriage like He wants you to have. People try to complicate all this stuff, but it's not that complicated. You either do it the way God said, or you're not going to get the kind of results God wants you to get. So even going through life, facing challenges. If I face a challenge, and I respond to it in a way that obviously is not the way God would, what am I doing? I'm thinking like the world there. I'm not thinking like God. I want you to see that. See, you're thinking one of two ways right now. You're thinking one of two ways about this message. 
You're thinking one or two ways about being here tonight. You're either thinking like the world thinks or you're thinking like God. How do you know when you're thinking like the world thinks? When's he going to get done? When are we going to get out of here? You're thinking like how the world thinks. Better amen than that. I don't find Jesus ever watching a clock in the synagogue to say, hey boys, when are you going to shut this down so we can get out of here? Now, I don't think you just go long in church to go long. That's ridiculous too. You've got to obey God. But you know, man, you got Paul preaching a message till after midnight and the guy falls out of the window and he actually winds up dead. Right. You think I've preached long? <laughs> it happened, yeah. I mean, want to have a window open so you can sit in the window and see how long you last. You won't have far to fall, so we probably won't kill you. Praise God. And what, what did God do? He goes down there and Paul falls on him. And guess what? God raises him from the dead. And, and by that time you would think, okay, he preached too long. No, they go back up and he finishes the message. I said here. You know why? Because that's the way God thinks. That's the way God thinks. So you got to understand you are not renewed in your mind until you start thinking like God thinks. And if you think like God thinks, guess what you're going to do? You're going to act like God acts. You're going to see what God says, uh, see what God sees, say what God says. So again, he said, you're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, become living proof. How many want to be living proof that God exists? Now, that was really, really weak. I'll give, you, I'll give you a second shot. Let's see how many times I have to give you on. How many want to become living proof that God exists? Yes. See, if you renew your mind and start thinking like God thinks and acting like God acts, guess what? Everywhere you go, guess what you are? Guess what you are? Guess what you are? You're acting like God acts. Guess what you are? I'm living proof. God exists. Because I'm acting like God acts. I'm thinking like God thinks. And don't think you can't do that, because why would he tell us to renew our minds and be transformed if it were not possible? So let me go back to this word renewing real quick. The word renewing means the adjustment of spiritual vision and thinking. Why spiritual vision? Because you've got to see things the way God does. See, seeing things the way God does doesn't mean to see things from a natural perspective. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit's nudging me. He said, they're not getting it. I want you to get that. The adjustment of spiritual vision. The word renewing, first part of the definition, the adjustment of spiritual vision. Meaning what? Seeing things the way God does means I see them in a spiritual form. Not like everybody's a spirit. I'm saying you, you see things through spiritual eyes, not natural. So renewing means the adjustment of spiritual vision and thinking to... The mind of God. Adjustment of spiritual vision and thinking to what? The mind of God. Now further defining this word is the word renovation. Because to adjust to the spiritual vision and think like the mind of God, there's got to be some renovation going on. Tonight we're going to talk about some renovation of the mind. And guess what? As long as you're on this planet, there's always some renovation that still needs to be done. Can I get a better amen? I mean, we've been spending two weeks to get adjusted into a new home, and all I keep looking at is a to-do list that just keeps growing of little things that still need to be done. Renovation. Say renovation. Listen to this. You ready? The word renewing. You ready? Did you bring your shouting shoes tonight? I know Kim keeps hers on her. She's going to get it out. Watch it. You ready? A complete change for the better. 
Renewing means a complete change for the better. To renew your mind to the way that God thinks ain't going to be for the worse. I said to renew your mind to the way God thinks ain't going to be for the worse. It's going to be for the better. As we saw in Isaiah last week, God's thoughts are not yours. They're higher. Therefore, God's ways are not yours. They're higher. I guarantee you what? That's for the better. Better way of living. Higher way of living. Amen? So two key things that we talked about last Sunday relating to these verses. Number one, thoughts form, thoughts form what we become. What you become is based on your thoughts. Even from a natural perspective, people in the world who don't know God have learned this. And that's what kind of birthed the whole positive thinking movement. And the truth is it works because as a man thinks, so is he. So there's some, there's some truth behind this because it, guess who created it? God did. So understand, when you talk about renewing the mind, what are we talking about? You've got to understand why it's so significant. Thoughts form what we become. Say thoughts. Let, let me, let's personalize. Say my thoughts are forming what I become. They're either forming what you become or they're keeping you in the form you're already in. So if I'm already living carnal and you just keep thinking carnal thought, worldly, keep thinking worldly thoughts, guess what? You're just going to stay in that same form. That's why there needs to be a transformation. Transforming into a new form. And so the second point then we brought up is for us to live like God, what do we got to do? We must say we must. We must think like God. You're not going to live like God if you don't think like God. And you know what God needs? Turn to Romans 8. You know what God needs more than ever in the day you're living in? Living proof He exists. I said, you know what the world needs more than ever? They need living proof God exists. Because when you become living proof God exists like Paul did, like Peter did, like James did, like John did, people aren't going to deny that your God is for real. They may not know Him. They may not know about Him. And that's what you're there to help them to know about. But one thing they're going to know, I guarantee you what, they are certainly somebody who doesn't live like normal people. There's something about them that's different. I guarantee you these people doing what they do, there's got to be somebody doing this through them or behind them because I I promise you humans can't do those kind of things. But you can if you choose to do what? Renew your mind as a believer and think like God thinks. So back to Romans 8 for a minute, 5 and 6. We're just going to look at these two verses. For those who live according to the flesh. So the context of saying living according to the flesh means I'm living like the world because that's how the world lives. If I'm living according to the flesh, why would that be? Because I have set my mind on the things of the flesh. Well, what you set your mind on is what you think about. So it's simply saying, I'm still thinking like the world. If I'm living according to the flesh, I'm still thinking like the world thinks. And if you're living according to, listen, oh, please hear this. If you're living according to the flesh, you're going to continue to be dominated by your soul, mind, will, and emotions, and your body. And not your spirit, man. You're going to miss out. You're going to be affected by every little thing that goes wrong. You're going to be upset, hurt, mad, glad, sad, bad. All the stuff that goes on in life, you're just going, woe is me. And why did they say it? And you're going to live like the world lives. Think how the world lives and don't know God. Think how the world lives. Just look at social media and you can see how the world lives, and sadly, most believers today. But think how how the world lives based on just social media alone. Look at all the little things that affect them, all the little things that dictate, whether they have a good day or bad day, up day, down day. Can I help you? 
Can I help you? Jesus didn't have a bad day. Oh, yeah, he did. No, he even said, for the joy set before me. And he was talking about the cross. And he called it what? The joy set before me. (laughs) All that Paul went through. All that Paul. Come on. Let's do a little checklist because we talked about it by the Holy Spirit earlier. What what, what did Paul go through? Well, let's start off with a simple one. Shipwreck left out in the sea overnight. A bobber for sharks. He, he was bitten by a deadly snake. Shook it off. He was beaten with rods. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails like Jesus was. Multiple times. He was in prison, locked up. He was stoned outside of a city and left for dead. Can I give you the Apostle Paul's words on all of this? But these light afflictions. I guarantee you what, the world, uh, one of those things to the world would be absolute travesty. My life is over. And sadly for many believers, that's the way many believers live today. But you know what Paul looked at every single challenge as? An opportunity to just show people how great my God is. Now, how could he do that? Because he saw it the way God saw it. He saw it through the eyes of God. Because he thought like God. And so can we. I have a question. You ever thought about how much different will your life be tomorrow if you started thinking like God every day? What are you dealing with right now? What stuff is affecting your life? What stuff is affecting how you speak and what you, what you do and where you go and how things allow the context of what's going on in the world to get to you and cause you to back away from God or back away from believers or get mad or frustrated or upset or fearful or you name it. But none of that Jesus went through. And nor did Paul once he got the revelation of understanding, renewal of the mind and thinking like God thought. So again, what causes us to live this way? Verse 5, we set our minds on the things of the flesh. Meaning what? We're not renewing our mind. If our mind is set on the things of the flesh, we're still thinking like carnal people. And that just means I haven't renewed my mind. But those who live according to the Spirit. So if we're governed by what we know our Spirit tells us, or the Holy Spirit. By the way, God's Word is Spirit. Right? John 6, Jesus says, 63, the words I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. So if, if we live according to the spirit, wait, 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 wait. So if we're living according to the spirit, how are we living? True, but like God. If we're living according to the spirit, how are we living? We're living like God lives. This doesn't excite you? And we can live like God lives. Shake your neighbor a little bit. Say, do you understand you can live like God lives? You understand that? So, verse 5, if, if we live according to the Spirit, obviously those who live according to the Spirit, he just says here the things of the Spirit, but he's inferring what? Well, they're setting their minds on something else. What are they setting their minds on? Things of the Spirit, which simply means what? They're thinking like God. See, these verses have been confusing for a lot about setting your mind. It just has to do with what you're thinking about. The way you're thinking. Verse 6, to be carnally minded is what? Tell me out loud. So raise your hand up really high so I can see it. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Let me finish the phrase. (laughs) Some of you are so quick. I'm just going to do it, Pastor. Let me finish the phrase. Raise your hand up really, really high if you want more death in your life. Let me see it. Come on, let me see. You don't? Really? You don't want more death? Well, if you live according to the world, guess what you're going to get? Death. 
Because the phrase death here in this verse is opposed to what the other side of the verse states. He says again in verse 6, if you live carnally minded. So if I'm living carnally minded, what does that, what does that mean? If I'm living carnally minded, what does that mean? Based on our study, what does that mean? You could say it several ways. I'm living, I'm thinking like the world thinks, which means I haven't what? Haven't renewed my mind, so I'm not thinking like God thinks, right? So if I haven't done that, then I'm living with a carnal mind, and that, that result of that is death. Notice this, though, last part of the verse. But to be spiritually minded. Well, if I'm spiritually minded, what am I? I'm thinking like God thinks. Thinking like God thinks. If I'm spiritually minded, I'm just thinking like God thinks. And what's the result of thinking like God thinks? Life and peace. What's life there? Zoe is the Greek word. The simplest definition of the word zoe means life as God has it. Look it up. Life as God has it. Simple way to say it, living like God lives. How many want, now, this time, how many want, if, let me see your hands up high where I can see it. How many want life like God has it? Yes. Well, guess what? You can't get that without thinking like God. You have to be spiritually minded. See, a lot of people think the spiritual mindedness is, ooh, we got to get spiritually minded. Ooh. No, he's just saying, think like God. Simplify it. Think like God. The more I walk with God in my life as a believer, the more I realize how simple God made these things and how much we complicate them. But spiritually minded is nothing more than saying, you know what I'm thinking like? I'm thinking like God. Now, how do I know? How do I know I'm thinking like God based on that verse? Last part of verse 6, how do I know? Read it. How do I know? Watch this. He has life. Life as God has it. And therefore, peace. See, nothing rattles you. See, that peace isn't ecumenical. It's not external. Ecumenical meaning everything's lined up in your life the way you want it to go. So, wow, finally some peace in my life. I'll guarantee you what, if that's what you're going to go by, your mind ain't renewed and you're living like the world. And it's going to take us another storm to come along and your peace is gone. This is a peace that never leaves. This is a peace that the Bible says passes all Philippians' understanding. I mean all understanding. Because in the carnal natural mind of things, of looking at stuff from a carnal perspective, my understanding says this ain't good. But peace goes beyond that and overrides that and says, no, wait a minute. I know what God knows. I think what God thinks. And therefore, this ain't nothing for God. So I want you to get this. I want you to get this. If you get nothing else tonight, although I hope you do, I want you to get this. Because we're going to talk about renovation tonight. But I want you to get this. An absence of peace in your life, not ecumenical. I'm talking about an actual spiritual fruit that's in you. When that peace is manifest, guess what? Nothing can rattle you. Amen. Nothing can move you. You're, you. You have no fear. None. You have no fear. You, have, you are not stressed. You can lie down at night and go to sleep. Amen. You want to know why? It's not the only reason. Don't misunderstand me. Or, you know, people take absolutes in my statements, and they're not absolutes. But I guarantee you one reason people don't sleep, they don't have peace. Their mind is too, their mind's going on all kinds. Of, oh, I got this. I got to do that tomorrow. Da, 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 da. Uh, Jesus didn't lie down in a boat in the midst of a storm thinking, oh my gosh, Father, I got to do this tomorrow, that tomorrow, this tomorrow. That. Are you kidding me? There's a storm raging. He's on the boat. Come on. His disciples are with him. The boat's filling with water and the guy is completely asleep. 
The storm isn't even waking him. Well, would he have drowned? Are you kidding me? He's the son of God. He's not going to drown. He knew from the time he got on that boat and told those boys, we're going to the other side. Guess where they're going to wind up? The other side. You know why? Guess where that thought came from? He heard from the father. And the father told him to go. And if the father told me to go to the other side, guess what? I'm going to the other side. If God told me to build that building, we're going to build that building. We're going to the other side. But see, that's how Jesus lived. You kidding me? He can, he can lie in a boat. And I'm telling you, see a galley, it's a bowl. It's like a bowl. It's, it's these high mountains that come up around it. And that, the problem is, when a storm comes, you can't see it coming. I've been on that lake. And when you're on a boat, I've been out, we went out across it and came back. When you're in a boat on that lake, you, you look up, you can't see any storms beyond those mountains. Especially uh, in the context of the northern uh, Golan Heights, they're so high. And that's why storms, they can come up in a moment of time. They don't have time to get that ship, uh, that boat, excuse me. It's not a ship, it's a boat. They don't have time to get that boat off the water. There's no way they could make it back to shore in time. Because that storm will come on you so quick when you see it. It's too late. When you see it, man, here it comes. And I mean, this storm is raging. And I mean, it's rocking the boat. Come on, put yourself in the picture. He's up in the front of the boat on a pillow. Probably a my pillow. He's up on a pillow. <laughs> Some of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. No He's up there. I have a my pillow. So he's up there on a pillow asleep. Right. <laughs> what are the disciples doing? Oh my God! Oh my gosh! Oh my God! Oh my God! Peter, what we oh no! What we gonna do? Go get Jesus! Go get Jesus! Hurry! And he's sleeping. <laughs> Can you pick? They were. What are you doing sleeping? Do you not know we're about to die? <laughs> Could you see Jesus waking up, you know? Why? And then he, he rebukes the storm. He looks at him. He said, oh, you ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you woke me up or we would have died. No, Is that what he said? No. What did he say? What did he say? Oh, you have little faith. You know what he just said? I've been with you all this time. I've given you authority to cast out demons. I've given you, you've seen it. You've used it. I've given you authority to lay hands on the sick. I've, I've given you authority to raise the dead. And you could have rebuked that storm and left me sleeping. But you woke up the boss because you couldn't use your faith to rebuke the storm. Jesus was in a physical body. He still got tired. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you why that storm didn't rattle Jesus. And I'll tell you why he didn't woke. Imagine waking up in the midst of that storm for the average believer. They'd freak out. Jesus didn't. Oh, it's just a storm. Shake your neighbor. Say, you're, he's preaching way better than your amen in tonight. I'll probably. He wakes up. So he sees the storm. What does he do? Does he freak out? Well, hi, you guys wouldn't have woke me up. My gosh, I don't know what we're going to do here, but we'll figure a way out. Father, what are we going to do? No, nope, he just rebuked the storm. How, why? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Excuse me? He was thinking like God thinks. That's why. See, how easy. I mean, the Holy Spirit so strong spoke to me during worship and said, you give this word. He says, far too many of my children are so easily affected by anything in life. Anything in life or what they go through, stuff they're dealing with, etc. They're so affected by these things in life. I guarantee you what, if they were obviously in the context of the days of the New Testament disciples, I couldn't use them. Because I had to have people that could think like I do. 
That's why Jesus, so don't, don't get too hard on the, on the disciples. They weren't even born again filled with the Holy Ghost yet. But you know, that's why he said over and over and over again, man, come on, boys. Can I paraphrase for today? Can you see Jesus? I can see it. I'm serious. I'm just, well, we did. How long am I going to be with you? How, how long are we going to go over this till you're going to get it? I'm with you. What are you worried about? I'm the son of God. Y'all know I'm the son of God. And you're afraid? What are you afraid of? So even though they're not born again, you kidding me? I'm walking with the Son of God and I'm scared? Come on. I'm walking with my brother and I'm not afraid. Right. And you're walking with Jesus, the Son of God, and you're, you're afraid of a storm? You're afraid you're going to die? You're, you're all upset because you forgot as he, on another trip, started talking about, as they came back from that trip, about the leaven of the Pharisees, and you forgot to bring bread, and you think he's now talking about us not having enough bread, and he actually just fed supernaturally over 5,000 people, and you're thinking we have enough bread? We don't have enough bread? What's so great about thinking like God is, life becomes a whole new way to live that is far above this world. And far better. And now you become a light to the world around you. Six, to be carnally minded is death. So if I'm carnally minded, what am I doing again? I'm thinking like the world. What's the result? Which is the opposite of Zoe. So that means not having life like God has it. Think like the world, you won't have life like God has it. Think like God, you will have life like God has it. What's an indicator? That I'm thinking like God, peace. You're walking in perfect peace. What if I'm not? You better get to renewing your mind. Especially the day you live in. And this is so critical for our day because I will promise you Satan ain't backing down. Colossians 3. So, thought we were talking about renovation tonight, Pastor. We are. We actually have been. You just haven't realized it. But we're going to get into it more directly. Colossians 3. So how do we renew our mind? How do we renew our mind? How do we, how do we walk through this transformation process and consistently continue to do so to think like God? Well, that's what we're going to start talking about tonight. Because again, the word renewing has within it the definition of renovation. So like, you know, we were watching a couple of these shows last night. You know, the main cabin, what are they? What are they called? Main cabin masters, you know, where they would go in and redo a cabin and stuff and everything. And Like back in the day, whenever Kathy got to watch into these things, the only ones I really cared about watching was, you know, Chip and the fixer-upper, you know, Chip and Joanne again, because he was just so funny to watch, you know. And so I'll tell you what, you got to understand this. So renewing of the mind requires, you ready? You ready? Deconstruction. Number one. You're never going to renew your mind without what? Deconstructing what's there. You can't just go in and try to put new... You don't go put new stuff up over old stuff and say, hey, we renewed the house. No, you got to tear the old stuff away and then you put the new stuff up. So the first part of the process that most people miss is they miss the part of deconstruction. Because without tearing down what's there, I guarantee you, you keep trying to put on top of it what obviously is new to something that's old, and the old is still there, and it's still going to affect you. And, and even good renovators know this. We were watching this show the other night. They were, doing a, they, were, they were adding on to a cabin, and they were putting a new roof on. Now, I'm not going to get in the argument whether it's good or not, but I happen to know a roofer, and I happen to know it's not good. 
And the part that had shingles on it, they left on. They just roofed right over top of it with uh, aluminum. I guarantee you, the roofer I know, they don't do that. They tear all that stuff off. You don't want to leave old stuff on. You want to get rid of the old stuff before you put the new stuff up. Here's the problem. A lot of Christians want to hold on to the old, and they want to try to now put the new on top of the old. It's not renewing the mind. And to renew the mind, deconstruction, tearing stuff down, guess what? It takes work. It's not easy. If you're looking for something easy, just turn right around right now, stand up. We won't even think nothing bad about it and just go on home. Because if you want something easy, I promise you, uh, if you think that walking through this life and thinking like God is easy and it just comes natural to everybody, that's not true. God will help you do it, but, it is, but I, I will promise you, the only reason it's not easy, it's not hard in the sense it's di- a difficult thing to do. It's hard because your flesh don't like it. Because your flesh has ruled for so long, that's the hard part. Your flesh wants to get its way. When your flesh is thirsty, it wants a drink. When it's hungry, it wants something to eat. When it's tired, it wants to sleep. When it wants to go do something, it's bored, it wants to change what it's doing. You listening? So your flesh has all these things about it of what it wants to do. And you've got to understand that when you start bucking the flesh with your spirit, man, your flesh is going to rebel. It ain't going to sit there and say, oh, no problem, Mr. Spirit, man. You just come on and do whatever you want to do. No, it's going to rebel. But just like trying to tear an old wall apart, guess what? You can, how many of you ever done any kind of renovation before? How many of you know, when I, when the very first job, well, wasn't the first job I ever had. First job that I had apart from my father. My dad hired me when I was like 12. Well, it wasn't like hired. It's like, you're going to work, boy. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. Praise the Lord. Come on, summertime, you're going to come work for dad. Now, he paid me. He paid us, but you're going to work for dad. He owned a plumbing supply warehouse. You ever seen a plumbing supply warehouse? You know how many plumbing parts there are? (laughs) You know why my dad hired us during the summer? Several reasons. One, because every summer was the time you had to sweep the whole place, including the parking lot, which took weeks. Two, you also have to do inventory during the summer. You ever inventoried a plumbing supply warehouse? I tell you what, just take a toilet by itself. Realize how many parts there are to a toilet. That's just one small item in the area of plumbing. Right. And I'm telling you why my dad put us to work because he wanted help counting all those parts. Right. And he got us cheap labor. <laughs> but after I went to work for another gentleman after I graduated high school, not working for my dad anymore, it was a guy that had worked for my dad. He was a salesman. He went into his own plumbing business. When you first start your own plumbing business, guess what you don't get? You don't get all new stuff. Right. You get all the remodels. All the remodel stuff. So basically, if somebody had taken something old, they want to fix it up, change something, whatever. I'll never forget, although it kind of backfired on him, I'll never forget my first job working with him. It was an old home built like in the 30s, like this place, although it actually had a concrete foundation. And they were, uh, a company bought it. They were turning it into a business. Got it rezoned commercial. So they're going to turn in their offices. So we're talking about a house. Well, that was close. We're, we're talking about a house that's got like an old bathroom, half a ba- old half bath, some really small bedrooms. They want all this stuff blown out. So the framers have already come in and taken all that stuff out. Now, we got to come in and break up all the concrete on the floor because we actually have to take out the old plumbing and move it around and redo it where they want it to go and put the new sewer line in and run the new sewer line out the side of the building and on down to the street and all that stuff. So I am the only worker with my boss. I'm it. It's just me and him. And we're going to do this whole job by ourselves. 
Just the two of us. Now, he had a couple other jobs he was working on. He brings me and he says, guess what we're going to do today? Have you ever run a jackhammer before? No, sir, you're going to today. You're going to learn in about five minutes how to run a jackhammer. You're going to get good at running a jackhammer. He said, come on in here. So we go inside, and here's this room. This room was probably close to the size of this part without the stage, close to it, very close to it. So I look, and he's got this chalk mark drawn all around the room, you know. Like the circular chalk mark. And he said, see all that right there? I said, yep. See everything inside that chalk mark? Yep, it's all coming out. Guess who's taking it out? You are. I got to go check on another job. He said, here, what you going to do? I'm going to bring in this jackhammer in just a minute. He said, I've got a sidewalk, a little section out here, a sidewalk about that wide, about this, this long. I got a jackhammer through, so once we go out the side of this building, we've got to run the new sewer out. Am I boring you? We got to run this. We're talking about renovation. We're still talking about your mind. And so we got to go out this side of this building. So I'm going to take you out here with the jackhammers. I'm going to show you how to work it. Now you're going to bring it in here and you're going to jackhammer that whole floor. And here's how you got to do it you got to jackhammer all the way around where that line is. And then you got to come back with a sledgehammer and start busting all that out. And guess what that wheelbarrow's for, son? Put all that stuff in there and haul it outside and haul it out here and dump it in a pile. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm excited now about my first day. I was till I got to that job. This is what you get. You get remodels. Right. New construction ain't as bad. Right. So we go out to the sidewalk. He said, all right, I'm going to show you how to work this. So he, man, I mean, he, have you ever been a jackhammer? Uh, you know, the air power, not the electric ones. You know, the old, big old, I mean, my gosh, I could barely pick the thing up. Remember? 27-inch waist. No muscles. He showed me, you know, so he breaks through all the, I mean, it took him like an hour, you know. And I'm helping because he's going, you know, busting some stuff out. So we get it out. He says, okay, come on. I'm like, oh, I'm really looking forward to this now, you know. I mean, it took him almost an hour just to do that one little section on the sidewalk. So we come outside. That concrete out there was about that thick. So we come outside. We come in here. He says, so you got it? Yeah, I'm going to show you one more time. So he pulls the jackhammer up. I said, yeah, give me that thing, man. Guess what? The concrete was only about that thick inside. Cha-ching. Gotcha. He thought I was going to have the hard part. He said, go check on another job. He came back within an hour. I had all that stuff busted out and gone. But I'm here to tell you, folks, the only way you're going to make that place new, you got to get the old stuff out. And some of us need to get a jackhammer to our way of thinking. Are you listening? So Colossians chapter 3, this is what is significant to how we do this. Verse 1. Listen to these verses. If then you were raised with Christ, raise your hand if you were. You know without a doubt you've been raised with Christ, so you're born again. If you were raised with Christ, what are you supposed to do? Seek those things which are above. What if you're not? Then you're not doing what you're supposed to do as a new believer. Because he just told you, if you were raised with Christ, let me see your hand again if you were, and you know it, praise God. What are you supposed to be doing? Seeking those things which are above. So we're talking about mindset here. Mindset, the way you think. In other words, you want to know what another way to say that? Start thinking like God does and seeing things the way God does. From his view above. I'll never forget one time, man, I was preparing for a message and I was really kind of going through this deal with God. I was wrestling, trying to figure this out. How do I get this across to these people? And da, 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 da. He said, here's your problem and what most Christians' problems are. You're looking at this very world from this side forward. But if you looked at it from up here down, you'd see a whole different picture. And he took me to this verse. He said, you got to start seeing this world the way I see it. 
Until you do, you won't be able to help your people. So notice, again, seeking those things which are above means to get a whole new view on life. I want you to get that. If I've been raised with Christ, what am I supposed to do? Get a whole new view. Seek those things which are above. Well, what am I supposed to go after those things that are up in heaven? No, they're there for you forever. That's not what it's talking about. Seeking those things which are above means start looking at things from above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus is sitting in a position of a seat of authority, seeing all things the way God sees them, and he's telling you, you need to get this same view. You need to get this same mindset. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Two, set your mind. Verse two, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Can I translate verse two for you? Stop thinking like the world thinks. Start thinking like heaven. Like God thinks. Verse 1. You want to see things from God's viewpoint where Christ is seated? I'll try that again. You want to see things from God's viewpoint where Christ is seated? Verse 2. What do you got to do? You got to start thinking the way heaven thinks. You got to start thinking the way God thinks above. Not the way that people think here on earth. Why? Because you died. Verse 3. Look at this. You died and your life is what? What is it? It's hidden. Notice, it's hidden with Christ in God. The Zoe life of God that God wants you to live is hidden in Christ. What is Christ? He's the Word. He's the Word. This life is hidden in the Word. It's hidden in the way that God thinks. Are you listening at all tonight? Verse 4, when Christ who is our life appears then you will also appear with Him in glory. When He returns for us, we're going to be just like Him. That's what He's saying. But notice this. Until then, verse 3, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Now see, people get focused on this, and here they are, trying to change all this from a mindset of a natural perspective to stop doing this stuff instead of getting a hold of the whole context of what He says here. Watch what he says. You yourselves are to do what? You are to be able as children of God to put to death your members, verse 5, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness. Don't, don't focus on all these things. He just, this is all a part of that old natural man. We're not supposed to do them anymore. He's going to tell you how. We're not supposed to be living in fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Six, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Wait a minute, verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, including what? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put, on, put off the old man, underline, since you have what? Put off the renovation. Deconstruction. What did you do? You put off the old man. And it's de- how did you do that? Verse 10. You put on the new man. How? Underline it. You put on the new man who is renewed. Here we go. Renovation. In the knowledge according to the image of him. Jesus. Who created us. You listening? Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, doesn't matter your background. 
Doesn't matter. Circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free. We could say murderer, rapist, pedophile. It doesn't matter. Once you're born again, you're new in Christ. Because Christ becomes what? Last part of verse 11, he becomes what? All in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, those who've been elected by God to live like God lives. Holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Listen, don't focus on the previous list. Focus on this list. Listen carefully. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on what? Love, which is the bond of perfection. And therefore, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which will happen if you think like God thinks. Notice, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. Be what? Thankful. Let the word of Christ underline it dwell in you what? Richly in all wisdom. Because where is my Zoe life hidden? The word of God. It's hidden in Christ. It's hidden in Christ. Meaning what? It's there for me to find and start thinking like and when I do it changes how I live. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Back, please, to verses 9 and 10 for tonight. Verses 9 and 10. We'll come back and get this next Sunday. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man. What did you do? Underline it. You put off the old man. Renovation. You went in, you found out, as I'm about to show you, you found out what is it that's a part of this old man. Once you see what is a part of that old man, guess what you got to do? You got to deconstruct. You got to tear that part down. You got to pull that part out. But one, how do I know what is a part of that old man? Notice the next part of the uh, the next uh, verse, excuse me. You put on the new man, how? By being renewed in the knowledge according to what? The image of him. What am I doing to be able to tear down the old man? What do I need to know to tear down the old man? You go into the word of God, you live in that word until you get an image of who God says you are. When you get an image of who God says you are, what does the Bible say you are? I am one spirit with the Lord. All I got to do is see the Lord in the Bible and say, that's me. When I begin to see this new image of the Lord, what am I seeing? I'm seeing a part of me. And when I see that's a part of me, anything in my life that doesn't line up, to, line up with that, guess what? Deconstruction. That's coming out. I'm going to show you how moving forward to ha- actually work on deconstructing those things out of your life. But you got to, first of all, you got to acknowledge them. I said it last Sunday. I'm going to say it again. You've got to think about what you're thinking about. Because if you don't think about what you're thinking about, guess what you're going to do? You're just going to keep thinking about what you've always thought about. And if you keep thinking about what you've always thought about, and it's not the image of God, you're going to think like the world, and you're going to live like the world. You've got to think about what you're thinking about. When you go into a place to renovate it, guess what you've got to do? You've got to go in there and think through what needs to come out. 
You got to think about what do we need to take out of here? Well, okay, so let's go back to Chip and Joanna Gaines' show. How do they know what to take out? She has a plan. She has a picture. She has an image. She writes it down. She draws it out. She shows exactly. Well, we're going to put tile over here. She loves shiplap. We're going to shiplap, 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 shiplap. Just shiplap the whole home. Everything is going to be white in her view almost always, right? Other than some client's ideas. But my point is to say, you got to have a picture. you got to have an image of what you're going to actually turn it into before you walk into the place to begin with. And then when you walk into the place, guess what you look at? You don't look at what's there. You look at the picture. You say, anything that's not like this picture is coming out. We're going to deconstruct. Because you can't put on the new man until you've taken off the old. A lot of Christians think renewing their mind is just reading the Bible over and over and over again and just kind of thinking like the Bible. But the problem is they never recognize what needs to be taken out. And because you don't recognize what needs to be taken out, thinking about what you're thinking about, you keep thinking about what you've always thought about. And unless you deconstruct, there is no renewal of the mind. Because renewal of the mind first requires what? Deconstruction. It requires you to take out what's there. You've got to start recognizing the things that you're thinking about that's a way of the world thinking and not the way of God. And the only way you're going to know that is by the image of Christ. That's what that Bible's to help you see, the image of Christ. Because if you see the image of Christ, the Bible says you are one spirit with the Lord. Go to James 1. I got to get to this for just a moment. We'll come back to Colossians 3 next week, but I got to get to this. You got to see this in James 1. You got to understand. I want, please hear what I'm saying. Don't get caught up in what I'm not saying. Please hear what I'm saying. What's the first key, Pastor, to thinking like God thinks and therefore living like God lives? What's key number one? Deconstruction. Well, you can't deconstruct what you don't know needs to come out. Right? You, you don't. I, I, I like this. Uh, I like this. I was trying to search for some clips on this. I like this one clip I found of a recent clip of, of I say recent, I don't know. I don't watch the show anymore. Uh, of Chip. They go into this house and, and there's a wall there. But they know on the outside because they've been, you know, on the outside of that wall, <clears throat> there's windows. Somebody, you know, put a wall up on the inside where these windows are. And they want to, she wants to save those windows, you know. Chip, you can't break those windows. We need to save those windows. Our budget does not permit us to rebuy all those windows. You cannot, because she knows when Chip goes to deconstruct, you know what he's going to do, right? I mean, he's got his hammer out. He's ready to hit. She said, no, 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 no. If you hit that wall with that hammer, you're going to break those windows behind it. Well, you can't deconstruct without a hammer, he said. She said, you ain't using a hammer, because if you break those windows, we're going to blow our budget. You cannot break one of those windows, not a single window. Okay, all right. So he puts his hammer away. She walks out the door, and he gets out his, his sawzall. So he starts cutting through the wall with his sawzall, and he finds out there's a second barrier wall behind it. And she comes walking. He said, look, it's not windows right behind this. There's a barrier wall. I'm taking my hammer out, baby. And he puts his foot through the first part of the wall, and, he start, and she leaves, and he starts breaking through the wall. And guess what he does? He breaks a window. But guess what, folks? You can't get to the windows until you first do what? Pull out what needs to come out. You can't get to the light. When he teched over, when he got all that down, said, wow, look at the light coming in. I thought, what an analogy. See, when you deconstruct and get rid of the junk, obviously it's hindering God from shining forth through you. And now all of a sudden you put up the new stuff. Man, now you see the light. 
You know, a lot of Christians aren't walking in the light of what they are as a child of God because they haven't pulled down what's blocking the light. Give somebody a high five. Say, Pastor really is preaching better than we're amen in tonight. Say deconstruction. I don't want you to lose my point tonight because the problem with renewing the mind, almost nobody talks about deconstructing. Almost nobody talks about tearing down the old thoughts. You can't put on the new man, Colossians 3, without first doing what? Putting off the old man. Right? And to put off the old man, do I focus on the old man? No. I focus on the image of Christ. And everything that doesn't line up with that, it's coming out, baby. It's coming out. Because that ain't who I am. That's part of that old nature, and I'm tearing that down. James chapter 1. So this is a key to understanding a part of what we'll get back into next Sunday morning about deconstruction. James chapter 1. Are you there? James chapter 1, 21. Therefore, laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Well, here you go. Getting rid of stuff that you're not supposed to obviously have in your life anymore. Laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness this, oh man, I want to preach this tonight, but I'm so out of time. I'm going to have to come back next week. Notice this. You're to receive with meekness the implanted word. That's critical. That's critical. See, part of deconstruction requires, again, that you got to receive the word, but how? With meekness. I don't have time to touch on that tonight. I want you to focus on deconstruction. Because deconstruction is based on what? Let me, get, let me get this across to you. What is deconstruction based on, Pastor? Me seeing the image of Christ in here and anything in my life that doesn't line up with that image, it's coming out. I'm going to tear that out. Come on, somebody. I'm tearing that out. And I'm replacing it with a new image. New thoughts. And as I start replacing it with a new thoughts, thinking like God thinks, guess how I'm going to live? Zoe. So again, he says, you have to lay aside all overflow of, of wickedness and filthiness. You got to receive, though, the word of God. I got to get to a part of this just to show you something here. You got to receive the word of God with meekness that gets implanted, which is able to save what? What's it going to save? See, the part that's being renovated is your soul. You're, like you, if you renovate an old home that they had tore down, what did you do? You saved it. What are you doing with your soul? You're saving it. See, when we say all the time, you know, we need to win soul. Well, I, you know what? I heard Brother Hagin say this the other week. He said, that is an actual phrase that refers to the soul. I didn't used to think it did. In the sense, I thought it was referring, because it also refers to an inner part of man. I thought it was referring to the heart of man. Because, you know, you don't win a soul and get somebody born again. That's an Old Testament verse. He who wins a soul is wise. You know what it means? He who gains control over his soul, he's a wise person. Because your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. You went over your soul. You gained control of it. You're very wise. If you don't, you're in trouble. You're going to live foolishly. Notice this. Careful. Listen. 22. But be what? Tell me, please. Come on. Tell me out loud. Be doers of the word and not what? Here's only deceiving who? I'm giving you a little precursor here. Part of deconstruction is becoming a doer of the word. A doer of the word. A doer of what the word says the image of Christ looks like helps you to start tearing down the old nature. The old man. Watch this. Uh, he said, you got to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving who? Yourself. Now notice the analogy he gives. Look at the analogy. Anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer. 
He's a hearer, but he's not a doer. He's like a man. He's like a man. He's not a man. He's like. He's like a man who would observe his natural face in a mirror. When he observes himself, he then goes away. This is somebody who hears the word but doesn't do it. It's like somebody who looks and sees himself in the mirror, and then they what? Walk away from the mirror, watch, and they immediately forget what kind of man they are. You cannot describe when you walk away from a mirror every little actual detail of your face. You'll forget. Are you listening? But he, 25, who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God. That's where the image is found. It's found in the, God, in the context of God's word that is a written law that brings what? Liberty, because you now see who you are. God, Listen, God wants you to see who you are, but he wants you to live like it. The devil don't want you to see who you are. If you look into this perfect law of liberty, the word of God, and you continue in it, wait, and you're not a forgetful hearer, but what a doer of the work. Oh, there's that dirty four-letter word. It takes work. But you become a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Deconstruction involves obeying the word of God. When you start obeying the word of what it says the image of Christ looks like, and you start walking in the truth of that word of what it tells you to do, you begin deconstruction. You begin to pull down parts of that old thinking. Why? Because you're not doing what you used to do before. The way you used to think, you're now actually changing the way you're living. Can I get an amen? We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.